0: Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. I want to, if I can, challenge you just a little bit in the idea of, of spiritual formation um, and it won't really look like that for, for a moment, but I'll get to it, I promise. And many of us, and particularly maybe in, in a church that's in the, the deep south of the Bible belt, the belt buckle of the Bible belt, we, many of us, grew up with this idea um, that that we had to maintain a list of spiritual disciplines in order to make it into heaven. We, we almost took the grace factor out of the equation, because we were taught that this is a works-based almost. Uh, we wouldn't call it that. We wouldn't say that. But many of us grew up with that mentality of of uh, of of God is happy with us whenever we are doing good, and and He's not happy with us when we're not, and and so we work to try to get. Closer to God. And we we go through our list of daily disciplines as if that is uh, a list of things that we can accomplish in order to get God's favor and his grace. And while there is merit to uh, to uh, spiritual, you might call them disciplines, I would call them spiritual practices. Uh, in order to get that mindset, that mentality away, uh, while there is merit to that, it is not the way to heaven. Can I get an amen this morning? Make sure we're all on the same page. Because it is the it is the grace, it is the blood of Jesus that was shed, that that covered our sins, that was separating us from God. And so whenever we do anything less than than what the Bible asks of us, or when we do anything more than that, we really have missed the point. And so I want to just challenge just for a moment what your idea particularly maybe is of of this this spiritual formation, uh, spiritual spiritual warfare even. Um, And I want to take you to what I believe is possibly uh, one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible of teaching us the simplest way to be formed by the Spirit—that's what spiritual formation is, after all. And you may not see it at first, but I hope to unpack it and open your eyes this morning. Maybe open your hearts. I'm going to start in Philippians chapter four, verse four, and I want to—I want to uh, I wanna read it. Is it? I don't know if it'll be on the screen or not, so we will, I'm just going to read it to you, just a few passages, just a few verses here. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, yeah, All right. you're awake, just checking. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. How many of you have ever read that scripture before? Yeah, it's pretty popular. Rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 6 is very, very. Very popular when it comes time to worrying about stuff and needing to pray about things. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition or uh, other versions of the Bible, say supplication, which simply is giving, giving a specific request to God. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the God of peace. And it's repeated, the God of peace. But I will take just a moment. In the, in the next few moments, and hopefully break this down in such a manner that I can explain how this is one of the greatest spiritual formation verses, passages in the Bible, teaching us a really, really simple, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and give the punchline yet, but a really, really simple idea that is the, at the simplest point, but also the most strategic way for us to allow God to form who we are as a Christian. Now, this is set in In um, in a time when Paul, the writer, writing to the church at Philippi, is in chains. He's in jail. I want you to get the context of this. Paul is talking about rejoicing. He's talking about don't be anxious about anything. He's giving these words of of recommendation, of how to live and what to think about. And he's doing all of this while being in a really, really bad situation. I'm not going to ask by a show of hands, but I'm just kind of curious, you know. Let's just think about this for a second. Have you ever been to jail? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. I'm not talking about visiting a family member, all right. It's around this time of the year that I have to double-check with my parents To know where to send some of my family's Christmas cards, to their home or to the county jail. I'm not ever sure. It's okay to laugh. True story, but it's okay to laugh. In a jail cell. Now I'm not talking about a cushy jail cell here in America. I'm talking about probably a cave of some sort, some kind of pit that was dug out. Maybe some rocks, maybe some dirt in chains, and he has the audacity <laughs> to tell other people, hey, you should rejoice in the Lord always. Not when things are good, not when things are Gucci, but when things are bad and everywhere in between. Do you realize that suffering can come to Christians even when they're doing everything right? Yeah. Yeah. Philippians chapter 1, he starts this book and he's listing all of these things and he's sharing and he, and he writes that, that this being in jail has happened in order to advance the gospel. According to verse 12, the entire palace guard knows that Paul is in jail for the sake of Christ. So even in bad situations, even when things are less than ideal, Paul has this understanding that it's all going to be okay. I can rejoice in God because He is near to me. I can be okay with my situation because I serve a God who is a good God. As a matter of fact, in in Philippians chapter 1, if you go there, he gives the idea that, you know what, I would rather actually be dead and be with God, be with Jesus, but it's basically... Jesus won't let me come to him yet. I mean, if you go back and read chapter one, he's basically saying, God won't let me come yet. So since I'm stuck here, let me preach a message to you. (laughs) If if I'm going to have to be in this place and if I'm going to have to live on this earth, I would much rather be with God. But if I'm going to be here, let's talk about it and let's make it through it. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Let's make sure we understand that this is how we're going to get through daily life. The good days, the bad days. You want to know how to get closer to God. Here is the passage for us to understand it. You want to know how to gain a better understanding of who God is and how we can relate to him and how we can respond to his greatness and his goodness. Here it is. Now, I want to share. I hope this isn't blasphemy, but I want to share maybe a, a different version of. Of this passage. I want to I get this into your mind. Just for a moment. Before I give you my 13 points. I'm kidding. Seven. Let me read it like this. Same passage of scripture. Just, just a new version. Verse 4. Whatever happens. Don't stop praising God. Whatever happens. Don't stop praising praising God. No matter how bad your situation is, don't stop praising God. No matter if you can't see what the future looks like, don't stop praising God. Let me say it again. Make worshiping God your lifestyle. It's not just something we do for 20 minutes on Sunday morning. It is who we are. It is our response to a good and a great God. It is our lifestyle. Verse 5, and make sure that everybody sees how chill you are because the Lord is present and he's coming soon. Verse 6, don't freak out about anything, people. I just want to say that again, exclamation mark. Don't freak out about anything, people. Pray about everything that could possibly freak you out and keep an attitude of gratitude when you do so. Just pray about it. You're like, you don't understand my situation. I got to do something about it. Well, you better not do anything about it until you first prayed about it. Often, we get the cart before the horse, we go and do, and then we say, God, will you bless what I just did? And God's like, I didn't lead you down that path. I didn't tell you to do that. You're on your own, buddy. (laughs) Verse 7, in response to that, because when you do, God's peace, his saving presence and healing work, which goes beyond anybody's ability to figure out, will keep your hearts and your minds fully grounded in Christ. Verse 8, so last but not least... Keep looking for the things in your life that are truthful and honorable and just and pure and lovely and worthwhile and excellent and that make you praise God. Look for those things. And then Paul finishes by saying this in my own words. And if I've ever said or done anything that helped you learn how to live this way just keep on doing it. And the God who is the source of peace will remain in you. I want to this message simply titled Rejoice. And that is the first point. Rejoice. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We've got to learn how to rejoice and gain strength by thinking about God's goodness, his faithfulness, his nearness, and his promises. It is almost impossible to rejoice in bad situations when we're thinking about the situation. Our focus, when it is turned to to what is going on, it's almost like you can't see the, the forest because of the tree right in front of you. And we get so distracted by this one thing in our life. And when we look at it from God's perspective, we realize, oh, wow, this is really, really small in comparison. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever come to that realization you're in the middle of a storm and it's the worst thing ever and life just stinks and you're and you're like you can't focus on anything else. And then you just take a pause and you're like, okay, God, what do you see in my life? What do you see in my situation? Is this really as big of a deal that I'm making it? And when we begin to think about God's goodness and His faithfulness the last time that we walked through a season or the last time that we walked through a situation or that moment when we felt God's nearness, when we felt His presence that was so close to us and we remember His promises that He made for us, it's a time to rejoice. It's a time to rejoice because we can think about that. That word literally means to show great delight. Again, it's not showing great delight in our situation. I'm no idiot. I know there's some things that we have gone through in life that are rough. They're tough. They make us cry. They hurt. And it's really, really frustrating sometimes. I'm not going to delight in those moments because of those moments. But I can, in the middle of the storm, delight in God. I can rejoice in God because he's always been there. It's because of who is walking with you through the circumstance. It's not because of your circumstance. Secondly, we've got to refrain. We rejoice, but then we refrain. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do you want to know how to make a big difference in the world? Refrain from acting like the world when they have a bad day. Countercultural. That's how you make a difference in this world. I, I, Hadessa and Elisha are, are our two, are two babies right now. Lindsay and I, uh, we, we just kind of laugh sometimes at the smallest things that go wrong in their world and they lose it. I don't know if any of you are like on social media and you see those memes about uh, babies who are crying and, and you know they ask why they're crying and, and it's for like something super simple. I, we could walk into a room and 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 Hadessa or Elisha will be just losing it and will be like, what happened? They dropped their milk cup, you know, it's like the simplest thing and they completely lose their mind. And and it's common to see someone when they're having a bad day, take it out on others, drink their sorrows away try to find some kind of way to, to, to numb themselves. It's common to see someone lose their job and then proceed to lose their mind. It's not, un, it's not common to see someone who maybe carried a baby nearly full term only for that baby to die an hour later and then to see a couple... At church, worshiping God the next day. That's not that's not common. I watch, I got to watch this just a few years ago. One of our, our youth pastors, he's associate pastor now, but one of our youth pastors, his name is Caleb Ford, his wife, Lindsay. I remember we walked through a season of, of just really difficult circumstances with them. She had just lost her sister that summer. Um, in a tragic car accident, and um, or some some type tra- some type of accident, it was very sudden, and um, and then and she was pregnant and went nearly full term, delivered the baby, and within just a little while the baby passed away. And I remember just just walking with that with them through that and praying for them and just believing for them. I happened to be in um in a church service uh it was either the next night or the very or the next night two days later after after he had after joseph had died and um i look up and it's a it's a worship night for teenagers and i look up and and in front of me is caleb and Lindsay, hands raised worshiping god a day or two after the worst day of their life losing a baby And I just thought, my God, how unique is this? How how much like Jesus is this? How much like God working in their life is this? It's unbelievable. And that's what Paul is saying. When things are rough in your mind, don't act like the world. Don't 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 look like them. Have a gentleness about you, a calmness about you, and know that the Lord is near. People without God have no sure and steady means of coping with life stresses. But with God, there is always an answer. There's always a peace. There's always a comfort. He is, his name is the Holy Spirit, and he lives inside of us to do his work. How can we have this calmness? Well, because we know that life here on this earth is short, comparatively speaking. Again, it's this perspective idea. It's this looking at it from God's realization. Our lives here on earth, our 76 and a half years of average lifespan here on earth is just a vapor in the wind. It's just a, a flower that, that is picked and, and, and plucked and, and, and withers away. It's just a moment in comparison And when we begin to think about that, that's whenever we begin to see God do some amazing things in our heart and in our mind. When our perspective is right, when we refrain from losing our mind and we hold on to God and allow our lives to be filled with peace and calmness and gentleness. The next point, I don't I I hope nobody makes fun of me for having all these R.E. words, but it's just the way it worked. Third third thing that I want to point out this morning is to release verse 6 says do not be anxious about anything I want to remind you Paul is in prison he's in chains and he's telling his audience to not be anxious about anything I get anxious just thinking about going to jail like when I anybody like me you see you see a state trooper going down the road and you're going like three miles over and you're like (laughs) <laughs> I don't want a ticket. Now, some of y'all, you're like, you have a whole stack of them in your glove compartment. It's no big deal for you. All right? I, I cringe. It's this idea of releasing to God that I really want to hone in on for just a second. It's this idea of surrender. That is really the heart of this message. It's this idea of surrender that is really the heart of spiritual formation. I told you I wouldn't tell you earlier. Now I'm telling you this message is really just about surrender. It's really about releasing who we are, including our anxiety. It's about releasing our anxieties and our worries and allowing God to take of us. It's an emotional reaction to get anxious it, and, and often I, if, it, if I have any sociology professors in the room you'll understand what I'm about to say but I, can, I think I'm going to try to break it down often our emotional reaction to things that take place in our life are um, to either to, to freeze, to flight, or to fight. Right? You ever heard that, 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 that fight or flight mentality? I added freeze in there. And often whenever we face situations, our natural reaction is to do one of these things. Our natural reaction is not to go straight to God and say, All right, God, here it is. I'm not going to do anything with it. No, our 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 natural reaction in life often is some type of white-knuckled approach where we ball up our fist and and we either fight whenever we're faced with something, we're just like, no, this isn't gonna happen. This isn't gonna work like this. I'm gonna fight against this. Or we we flight, we run. We use these same white knuckles and we ball up our fist and we run. The last thing. Some of our reaction is, is sometimes just to freeze. We just, I don't know what to do. I'm so frozen in fear and anxiety. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, I don't know whether to run, whether to fight. I, I'm just frozen. And that's our natural reaction often. It's our, an emotional reaction. And when you continue to react like this in, in, in a situation, that's where spiritual warfare begins to kick in. And I'm just going to explain right now, that kind of living is not going to work for you. Many of us have tried that. We have spent many of our years fighting against uh, what the enemy might bring against us or just fighting against the regular attacks of life, the regular suffering. We just, we just go against it and we just, I hate it and I just want to beat it up and, and we go after it and we, we, we spend most of our time just frustrated, many of us. In, a, in our emotional reaction of just being so fearful, we, we, we run. We say, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going gonna, gonna to run. I'm not going to have this conversation. And many relationships are ruined just from people just running a, away from the situation. And that's an emotional reaction. It's just natural for some of us. And some of us, we just freeze. We're like, God, I don't know what to do. I, I, I can't do this. I, I'm in this this prison cell of life, I don't know what to do. And we literally do nothing. This white knuckled approach, we'll lose every time with it. And strongholds begin to develop in our lives. Many of us, I alluded to it earlier, we try to do more because that's how we were raised. We often worry more, for starters. We just think about it constantly, constantly. And there's no turning it over to God. It's just continual worrying. We try to figure things out on our own. We take situations in our own hands without consulting with God. We jump to conclusions. We react in ways that we shouldn't. But as we surrender our lives to Him, it becomes more and more evident that He's working all of these things together for good. That's a good place to say amen. Hopefully you're still with me. God doesn't call us To this white knuckle approach of fighting or flying or freezing. He hasn't called us to that. He has simply called us to surrender. He hasn't called us to figure it out on our own. He doesn't want us to. He created us as as dependent beings, created us to rely on Him. He doesn't call us to get it right every time. He simply calls us to surrender. To surrender our broken selves to the creator of the universe. To surrender who we are. To release our worries and our anxieties. But then he follows it up. Because how many of y'all know sometimes it's hard just to let go of worry? You with me? You got situations in your life, you're thinking about them, you're focusing on them. And it just kind of slips into that category of worry. What ifs start kicking in. Anxiety begins to overtake us. I can walk on a middle school campus and I can ask 13 kids, what's the biggest thing you're dealing with? And 12 of them will answer anxiety, fear. That's not how we were created to live. We were created to surrender our broken selves to God. And in following that up, He gave us the ability to request. He says, but in every situation, Paul is writing still by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The one sure cure for worry is prayer. Godly prayer takes the focus off the difficulty of the situation and puts it on the power of God. Anybody understand what prayer is this morning? where we begin to think less about our problems and we begin to think about the greatness of our God. Through prayer, we renew our trust in the Lord's faithfulness by releasing Him, uh, all of our anxieties and our problems, knowing that He will take care of them because He cares for us. It's simple. We replace worry with prayer. Now, it's not so simple in daily life, am I right? You're like, you're preaching a really good message, Ben, but I I can't do this. can't apply this in life. I get it. I get it. Sometimes it's difficult. But if we believe the word, the Bible, that doesn't start by trying to prove there is a God. It literally starts on the premise that you already believe there is a God. In the beginning, God. If you believe the word, If you believe that it is true, if you believe that there really is a God and there really is a Son sitting on the right hand of the throne interceding for us daily, if you truly believe that there is a Holy Spirit that is guiding and comforting and walking with us and moving on our behalf, if you truly believe the Word is accurate and true and infallible, if you believe that it is real and that it is not made up and that God really is real, if you believe all that then when you come to a passage like this, you can't take it out of your Bible. Some of us try to do that, though. Last week, I was sitting in our church at Sheridan First Assembly. I had a coffee cup in my hand because I just finished leading worship and I needed, some, I needed something to warm my vocal cords up. I sit down next to my wife, and she opens up our paper bulletin without saying a word, and she points to the part in the bulletin that says, no food or drinks in the sanctuary. Without saying a word to her, I took the bulletin. I, I literally ripped out that portion of the bulletin, threw it away, and continued to drink my coffee. No joke. She could tell you. But that's how many of us are in, in life. With the word. It doesn't line up with my theology. It doesn't line up with what I think is right. And when we try to apply Our lives to God. (laughs) We're going to find lots of situations like that that don't make sense and we can't make sense of them. But when we apply God to our situation, when we let him intervene on us, whenever we let him take control of us and we release and request of him. That's that's a winning combination. Just give it a try. Let's let's go on. Last two or three, four points. I don't know where I'm at. Receive. Verse verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace is the opposite of human anxiety. Get that in your heart this morning. God's peace is the opposite of human anxiety. The peace is an inner sense of calm and assurance delivered from Christ by the Holy Spirit within us. It's not based on emotions or circumstances, but on the solid foundation of our relationship with God. When we commit our troubles and our concerns to God in prayer, his peace will stand guard at the door of our hearts and our minds, preventing the cares, the worries and heartaches of life from troubling our lives and robbing us of our hope in Christ. I want you to imagine with me just for a minute. I was going to do an illustration, but I'm going to hold off. But imagine with me my two oldest kids who like to get into it every once in a while. They're two and a half years apart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Imagine with me for a moment that I was standing in between the two of them. And we'll say that my my daughter is behind me. And that I am protecting her from her brother. Now, I'm bigger for now. Faster, smarter, quicker. I, I'm i stronger. I can handle my son, Jackson. My daughter could literally stand back here without a care in the world because she knows that her daddy is going to protect her from her brother if needed. And the Holy Spirit is the same way. We could literally stand back here just chilling, just relaxing, knowing that God Our father is standing in front of us, protecting us from all things. We can have a peace in this position when we are standing behind God, when we are allowing him to go before us, when we are following these instructions and allowing him to protect us, to guard our hearts and our minds. Madison doesn't have to worry about a single thing if I'm standing between her and her little brother. Are you with me so far? I'm going to try to wrap this up. I want to get done before y'all get done. There's no problem in this world that can penetrate this peace. No soldier, no punishment, no prison cell, no sorrow. Think about it in context. No anxiety, no worry, no loss, no grief, no sadness, no pandemic can penetrate the peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that comes from knowing and believing that the Lord is near to us. Two more. Refocus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. To experience God's peace and freedom from anxiety, believers must fix their minds on those that are true, noble, pure, right, etc. If you do these things, Paul says the God of peace will be with you. Now, the opposite is true, too. If you begin to think about all the worry and all the things that are going wrong and your situation and how big it is and how it doesn't seem to have a solution, the peace that God has provided you, has given you, according to Jesus, when he left it for us, that peace doesn't come naturally whenever all we're thinking about is the opposite. This, the result of allowing our minds to be occupied with ungodly things of the world is that the joy, the nearness, and the peace of God are lost and our hearts are no longer guarded. Paul tells the church in Rome uh, in chapter 12 of, of, of the book of Romans to not conform to the patterns of the world but to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. The world's patterns are the things that are false and lies. Whatever is dishonoring, whatever is wrong, whatever is dirty and raunchy, whatever is ugly and mean, whatever is deplorable, those are the patterns of the world. The world has stopped praising the good and looks for the bad in people, and then they celebrate the bad. The patterns of this world, simply put, are worry and anxiety. But the things of God... Those are the things that we should refocus. Those are the things that we should should begin to train our minds once again. All right, God, I'm going to begin to think on the goodness of of you. I'm going to begin to think about what is noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I'm going to think about anything that is excellent and praiseworthy. Pastor Austin, would you come? Finally. The last R word is... Repeat. Verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul is saying, put it into practice. And again, he promises that the God of peace will be with you. Notice this time, though, he doesn't say peace. He does not talking about the actual supply. He focuses on the supplier. Notice for just a moment that he says put it into practice. My, my oldest son and daughter, they're both in the band. Beginning band is a lot of fun for a parent. Especially one with a music degree and near perfect pitch. But my daughter Madison in the eighth grade now is not anywhere where she was when she was in the sixth grade. She's way beyond that because of practice. Practice is not something we do one time and say, oh, look at me, super stud. I'm the star. I got this down. We don't go to practice one time on the football team and then get drafted in the NFL. We don't show up for spring training for one practice of baseball and suddenly become an MLB player. Practice is something that we do over and over and over and over and over. Every day we wake up and we practice this thing called casting our cares to the Lord. Getting rid of anxiety. We practice this thing called praying and trusting in God. We practice this thing called surrender. It's not a one and done kind of thing. It, 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 Paul is reminding us this is something you got to keep doing. In other words, he's saying, don't do it just once. Your story isn't written in just the big moments. It's written in the everyday moments. You're not the sum of just a couple of large moments in your life. We may focus on that, but your life is made up of daily moments and daily decisions and minute after minute of going back to the source Again, I love it that Paul isn't talking about the peace in this moment. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. Walking with him daily, surrendering your life daily, not just on the big days, not just on the big decisions, not just in the big moments, but every single day saying, God, I trust you more than everything else. I surrender to you more than anything else. I make you the only, you know, I don't know, I'm not going to go there. I don't have time. It, it's time. I've said it already a couple of times to, to surrender our broken selves to God. His strength is made perfect in our weakness.